Welcome to Talking Tenets, where we look to dissect the tenets or principles of high performance in sales, technology, lifestyle, and sport. Each show will focus on a person and a specific area of interest we'd love to dig into and look to identify tips, learnings, hacks, and tools that have supported their success. This week, we have former recruiter and HubSpot account executive on the show, Charlotte Lamont. The jump from recruitment into sales is not unique and it's something that um, is often on the minds of recruiters who are perhaps looking to make that transition. We break down what the differences are and have been for her um, in making the leap and what information we can use or um, to help others that might be looking to make that move themselves. What am I recommending this week? This week's hack comes from the Huberman Lab podcast, which I would highly recommend for all listeners, regardless of your pursuit or work. <clears throat> now, there's a really great opportunity. You, you're likely missing on to hack your pro- productivity during the day. Now, if you're kicking off the day with loads of caffeine and just grinding through in quite a consistent um cadence you're missing out on an opportunity to align with your what's called ultradian rhythm now there is 90 minute periods throughout the day of which you're most productive and there's a certain time in the day of which to kick off your first bout of high intensity focus that you can align to your waking hours so um, i'll put in the show notes to that podcast but i'd highly recommend if you're looking to get the most out of your day in a high performance environment, sales, technology, um, um, or sport, whatever it might be, this is an opportunity to be your very best um, as opposed to grudging through the day um, like many people are. Without further ado, let's get into the first show. All right, on today's show, we have Charlotte Lamont, um, HubSpot account executive, a former recruiter. Charlotte spent over five years in agency recruitment before making the switch to software sales. Today is, is in fact, her one-year anniversary with um, HubSpot. So, um, Charlotte, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, John Joe. I've um, given you a brief intro there, but perhaps could you tell us um, about your current role at HubSpot? Yeah, sure. No dramas. So I am, I'm what we call an inbound growth specialist, which is a um, the HubSpot way of saying account executive for the mid-market segment for Australia, New Zealand. Um, and my job literally is to sell HubSpot to the masses. Fantastic. And reminders um, for those out there who are living under a rock, HubSpot is a marketing and CRM SaaS vendor, um, widely known, um, very good brand out in market, doing really well. Are sales good at the moment? Is business good? Oh, yeah. I guess it's going okay. I um, Yeah, did some record numbers last month. So, yeah, Fantastic. if you actually ask the right person, we are absolutely crushing it at the moment. Yeah. We're doing really well. And that's what I wanted to dig into. So this podcast is um, is charged with digging into the principles or tenets of um, performance and I'm really hoping to share some insights and hacks and tools um, for other aspiring um, professionals in sales and software more broadly. Um, recruitment is um, recruitment and sales and software sales is something that's been um, a real talking point for as long as I can remember being in agency recruitment and some people do make that leap and do really really well 
others perhaps think about it and um, are perhaps caught in a state of not really understanding what it really is like to work for a software vendor and um, what a day-to-day looks like. A lot of business leaders in software companies look favorably upon recruiters, not all of them, but they often do because of some of the, some of the cadences that um, recruiters have. So I want to really break that down. So yeah. what interested you in software sales initially? Um, I think, well, I've been recruiting for quite some time. Like I was with Halcyon for um, six years. And then before that, I was recruiting as well. And I think I'd always sort of, I guess, I wanted to make the leap and I'd thought about it a lot and I'd been recruiting salespeople for software vendors for, you know, the bulk of my career and I'd just sort of seen what they were doing. I I really, I was quite, you know, excited by the challenge of what they were doing and obviously, you know, they're selling really complex software, they're touching multiple, you know, people through the entire sales process. So that was quite interesting to me. And I also think... I'm actually quite passionate about marketing and I'm quite passionate about selling as well. So HubSpot for me just felt like the natural progression, like it's incredible tech, it's incredible software. It just felt like the right sort of transition, if that makes sense. So I think all these sorts of planets had aligned, like I'd reached, you know, a peak in my recruitment career. I'd found a software vendor that was, you know, ticked all the boxes for me and it just came at the right time, if I could put it that eloquently. And and that was evident from your your days in recruitment. You were well known in industry as um, a specialist in in martech recruitment, right? So, yeah. do you feel that that experience and industry knowledge allowed you to perhaps jump into a software company at perhaps a similar level as opposed to starting as an SDR? Yeah. And if that was the journey that you would have had to take, and would you still have done it? Do you think with them? Um, with open arms if it was a different type of trajectory? That's a really, really good question, John Joe. Um, yes, I do firmly believe that because, I, you know, I'd set up what was arguably Australia's best MarTech desk. I'm not humble about it because I'm really proud of the work that I did. Um, I set that up and I was recruiting for literally every MarTech um, marketing automation and CX vendor that had a presence in Australia. So I knew a lot of people. I knew what the tech did. I knew the competitive play between each of these software vendors as well. Sorry, I'm just going to put my um, Slack on mute for a second. Sorry, JJ. No props. can edit out the banter. Um, so that certainly helped. Um, and obviously, like, having been successful previously, it allowed me to come in at what is literally like the same level, moving from being a principal consultant at a recruitment firm into a mid-market account exec, into a closing role, into a software vendor. I absolutely do think that that provided the best possible foundation for me. Like I don't think that the planets could have aligned any better for me. Having said that, and I've actually spoken to multiple people at HubSpot about this, would I have started as an SDR? Probably. Like it's a great foundation for you to jump in, learn the tech, learn how to sell it, learn what a good fit business is, learn who the right decision makers are, learn what business problems you're selling to are so that you've got that foundation to move into a closing role. And we see it here. I've seen it throughout my career as a recruiter, having worked with, you know, hundreds of different software vendors, some of the most successful reps are the ones that started in a BDR or an SDR or an ISR or an MF, what's the other one? Like market development, 
and associate or like that. Oh, there's so many. Basically doing cold calling and I I just uh, hitting the phones. Like some of the best reps started doing that and learnt from the ground up. So I would, um, if I had my time again and or things panned out a little bit differently for me, I'd absolutely start at that level and work my way up. And I've spoken to some of the most successful reps here who started in clothing roles and they say the same. That's interesting. Yeah. And what were your um, initial um, impressions? So you've uh, you've joined. It's a business you've always, you know, perhaps looked to work for. Onboarding's mm-hmm. happened. You're excited. Day one comes around. What are your initial impressions of working in sales in a software company? Can I swear? (laughs) I was shit scared. Like I was petrified because I'd come from, you know, like I'm at that cusp of my career where I'm still a bit of a spring chicken, but like, you know, to make a career change in your early 30s is really scary, especially having been so successful previously to move into something that you, you know nothing about. Well, you don't, I know, I mean, I knew a fair bit about it, but that's something that is really, really fresh and new. I was really scared, but I was also really, really excited. Like I think that, you know, working for a software vendor, working in tech, working, you know, like there's, it's so exciting and it changes every day and businesses literally need software to survive. Like they need what we're selling. They need what we're, you know, dealing with. So that really excited me. But the initial change, yeah, scared me a lot. And what were some of the things that were vastly different to what you'd experienced in recruitment? Um, There's a lot more structure in a sales process for a software vendor. Um, I also think that that probably comes down to the mix of the way the businesses work as well. Like recruitment businesses are generally, they're locally owned. There's not necessarily like a strict sales structure. It's all about, you know, just getting the right candidate across to the right job and like real like long-term relationships and that sort of stuff. Here it's very, very different. And I would say, yeah, the amount of structure that they provide you with is one of the key differentiators for me. Um, And just learning how to sell a different thing to different people. Like I've been, you know, selling a service to, you know, HR and sales leaders and that sort of stuff for a really long time. Like dealing with different stakeholders was quite different. And then uncovering different problems that you're solving. Let's talk about the um, the process in a bit more depth, if you're able to. So um, methodology. forecasting what does that look like compared to recruitment um I think it probably goes without saying most recruiters fall into recruitment and um a lot of recruiters probably don't have sales training I know and um you can probably corroborate this like we're taught on the job and we're taught by you know one or two key you know leaders in the business who have absolutely smashed it and they teach you their way of selling and their way of recruiting and that's what you do and you sort of just adapt from there a process that works for you and you just repeat that process over and over again. At a software vendor, especially a multinational one like HubSpot that's quite large, it's very, very different. There is a set sales process. We follow, um, well, you'll be able to see I'm Sandler certified on my LinkedIn. Um, 
there's, you know, specific methodologies that we apply throughout that process. There's specific stages that we do. There's really, you know, like specific qualification or, um, you know, we want to qualify them in, we want to qualify them out. That is really, really stringent. And But it's, again, it's because it's tried and true because we know that that repeatable process is going to work. But, again, I would say that having that, like, really, really structured process is what completely separates the two. And if you are looking to build on your existing sales process and to build on your existing ability to hustle, but you want to put some sort of science behind it, that's what, that's what a software vendor is going to give you. And is the, is the playbook as such built around Sandler or is it, is it secondary to it and they're um, like they contribute, they complement each other or is it, is it very much the methodology and the playbook are as one? How does it work? Um, I would say they are as one. I think every rep has their specific way of adopting it and, the, you know, they can, you know, adopt tenets of it, if you will, to like pop into their, um, thank you, um, to pop into their sales process. But at the most part, yeah, like that's that's the methodology that we would adhere to and we recommend because it it doesn't fail. It works. Mm. And can you can you talk us to um, a deal life cycle? What yeah, sure. Are for you, how that works. Yeah, no, uh, yep, yeah, I absolutely can. Um, it's a bit different here because I think um, you know we do like I do really big deals, and then sometimes I do really really small deals. Typically, a deal cycle is you know you have a discovery meeting, you understand what it is they're trying to achieve and what it is they're looking to solve for. Um, the big piece is like what it is they're looking to solve for, like you know what their pain is, and then from there you can sort of understand you know what their current state is, what their future state is, and how we can bridge that gap between the two. And sometimes it customers might not be the right fit and that's okay. You can just part ways, give them time back in their day. Like don't try to don't try to put a square peg in a round hole. Like does that make sense? Like I feel like a lot of people will just try to keep selling even though they may not have the they may not have the right solution. And that meeting's really to understand that. And then from there, if we've decided, yep, okay, cool, we're the right fit for each other, we'll do a demo, I'll show them around the solution. And from there, if they, you know, if they're happy with it, we can discuss pricing or do the negotiation piece, do the dance that we all love doing in uh, sales. And then from there, we'll close it out. Typically speaking, I've had deals that have gone on for four or five months and those are typically quite complex deals. And then I've had deals that take three weeks. I've had deals that have taken two days. It just depends on the urgency on the customer's end and your ability to create that urgency as well. Like can you reverse engineer this deal because they they want to see results in three months and you know it's going to take three months to get up and running? And and the ROI for customers then is it is it top line growth? Are they typically in growth mode when they come to HubSpot? Um, yeah. Are there any examples where that's not the case, or is it always that they're looking for to grow their business and improve revenue? Um, I would say ninety nine point nine percent of the time for HubSpot, absolutely. Um, that's what we are. We're you know a CRM sales and marketing engine designed to help you grow better, if you will. Um, it's our little tagline, but I've had, you know, I've had businesses recently who are just doing an entire tech stack overhaul 
and HubSpot is an all-on-one solution and it just makes sense for them to go with HubSpot and they can build a lot, like they can customise it to what they want it to be. They can, you know, build stuff off the back of it that, you know, can integrate with other systems. But those are really, really unique use cases. Typically speaking, it is like businesses that want to grow. And do you specialise um, in a particular vertical or segment? Is that what it works? This uh, segment. So it's mid-market okay. that I look after. Um, I think it's 25 to 500 right. employees. Seat size. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, by seat size. Yep, you're right. And then I look after ANZ. So... I spoke to somebody in Perth, uh, sorry, Perth today. I spoke to somebody in Auckland. I've got clients in Brisbane. Weirdly haven't had anybody in Tasmania though. Hmm. Yeah, weird. Hmm. And um, with the climate that we found ourselves in, um, how has the market been for CRM and, uh, and marketing software? What have you found? Uh Interesting question. I found at the end of last year, because it's when I joined, the tailwind had started to drop off a little bit. But I think we're at a point now where we know we have to live with what's happening and businesses are just like, okay, we've just got to get on with it. Changing a CRM is a big job. Like it's it's not for the faint-hearted. Some businesses I speak to are still living on spreadsheets, so it's pretty easy to, you know, get in there and, and get it done because they're just like, oh, crap, we can't live like this anymore. We're trying to grow in the middle of what is a very strange time in our lives. And then sometimes I'll be ripping out other CRMs who shall not be named. Um, but typically speaking, I'm finding it like at the moment it's busy it's really really busy because people they're not procrastinating anymore they're not sort of worrying about what the effect of you know COVID and lockdown is going to have because we know we just have to live with it now sure and um what do performance indicators sales targets um how does that work uh so I have a monthly quota that I have to hit um, obviously, like with every sales organization, the dollar amount is the is the big one that you've got to you know you've got to work toward. And then I have um, we break that down. So I've got an like an amount of meetings that I need to have, an amount of new opportunities that I need to create. Um, and then there's like other you know key performance indicators I probably can't talk about on this uh, on the podcast, but. Yeah, it's the typical stuff like how many meetings have you had this month? How many calls have you made this week? How many, um, you know, how many opportunities have you created? And obviously, how much revenue have you brought in? And do you think those um, those particular um, uh, areas of cadence and rhythm, do you feel your recruitment background helped you ramp up on those um, Yeah easier or was it more difficult what what's the difference in cadence would you say being a mid-market account exec versus a recruiter I don't think there is any difference to be quite frank I think that I um this was a very strategic move for me because I was quite familiar with the HubSpot sales process as well um the cadence is very very similar it's for me it's a high volume of calls to uncover those new opportunities and then obviously like with any sales process like there will be days where you don't make a high number of calls because you're obviously you know working on existing deals or as a recruiter you're finding candidates for jobs that you've got on and you can't possibly like have any more work on your desk or something like that and then yeah the cadence it's pretty fast paced it's pretty high volume as well great um 
what's perhaps the, been the biggest challenge for you or what to um, aspiring um, account execs, what would, would you say is the biggest challenge coming into this kind of um, environment? Know the product, learn it, spend the time doing it because you're not always going to have access to a solution engineer. You're not always going to have access to pre-sales. You know, a lot of vendors have a dollar amount that needs to qualify to get to like pre-sales access. Know what it is you're selling so that you're not just selling the idea. Like you've obviously got to sell value. You've obviously got to solve problems. Like you've got to, you know, sell to, you know, goals and challenges and things like that. But knowing what it is you're selling is probably the most valuable piece. Right. And I can um, I can understand why that would be compelling for somebody moving into that kind of environment where you do have mm-hmm. something tangible that you can really, really get immersed in and really understand it. Because I, you you could tell me even more so that it seems that the way that sales um, sales approach these days is is less about the old days of building relationships and then getting a shot to provide value. Now it's about there's no time. You've got to provide value first. And then you might get a shot to build a relationship. So if you're really immersed in the product that can provide some value before you get mm-hmm. a sale, fantastic. It's within recruitment, it's more difficult to do that, I think, because you're providing a service. And if they're not hiring at the moment, it's it's difficult to show you value. Mm-hmm. There are ways, right? And we know that, but it is more difficult to show your value before they're looking to um, engage on a, on a buyer's journey. So I do see how that yeah. could be a, a breath of fresh air, I imagine, going into that kind of environment. Yeah, absolutely. But I think, you know, on the same side or, you know, the same coin, sorry, I forgot what the turn of phrase is. Um, A lot of this is long-term, you know, relationship management. Like I've got deals that I've been working on since I started at the start of the end of last year. Um, But then, you know, I've had prospects reach out to me on a Monday and I've closed them on a Thursday. So it's your ability to do both, but still know your, your product inside and out. Like that's what's going to drive like that fast cadence for you as well. Got it. And what are the biggest rewards of working in software sales? Um, I think we all sell for one of the same reasons, which is the financial aspect of it. Um, what else are the biggest rewards of working? <laughs> we might have to edit that out. I sound like a greedy maniacal money hungry hungry, uh yeah greedy troll um for me i'm really really proud of the business that i work for i think that we do amazing work i think we have an incredible solution and i'm really proud of the way that we help businesses to grow and i think that you know the success we had during COVID and the success some of my clients have had because they used HubSpot in the middle of, you know, what was a pretty crappy time for a lot of people. I've had businesses that have, you know, done 400% of what they did last the year prior, like in 2019, because they had HubSpot, you know, they're using it at the right time. They're using it the way that it needed to be used and, you know, the pandemic just sort of like skipped over them, that sort of thing. Like that's the sort of stuff that is the biggest reward for me is seeing my clients succeed and seeing them really achieve the results that they've set out to do. That's great. And um, for aspiring 
recruiters, non-recruiters, people looking looking to get into software sales. Is there any kind of assessment you think that they could um, use to, you know, find out if it is for them? You know, any questions that you're asking yourself that they perhaps could ask themselves before making that leap? Are you ready to make such a big change? Because it's a completely different way of selling. Are you ready to have structure? Are you ready to, you know, work to a pretty stringent sales process? Are you ready to learn a solution that can be maybe quite technical? Are you ready to do something new? Because I feel like for a lot of people, and this is recruitment, it's, um, you know, it's a lot of different industries as well. Are you ready to make the leap? And are you prepared to fail? Because it might not work. And failure, like it's nothing to be afraid of. It just means that that's not the right fit for you. It's not a personal thing at all. But, yeah, like those were a lot of the questions I asked myself. Like I was just like, you know, you've been a recruiter for the better part of a decade now. Are you ready to do something new? And are you prepared for that something new to not work? Sure. And those that almost a decade in recruitment, sounds like it really set you up for success. Obviously, um, the way that you were were taught and the environment you were in, that did pave Mm -hmm. the way for you to go on and um, land the role you're in. And it sounds like you're nailing it. Um, How are the the results going? Um, I won't lie. It was a bumpy first six months. Like it was, it was hard to get, um, to get going. I think I, you know, started it in Melbourne's stage four lockdown. We'd been in lockdown for like two months by that stage and it was a completely new job and fully remote, all of that sort of stuff. Like I still have never met my boss and today's my one year anniversary, but I found a process that works for me and I've managed to repeat it and I am absolutely flying at the moment. I'm 100% on top of my game. Fantastic. And it, feels good. it feels good, but I won't lie. I worked really hard to get here. And what did that um, initial six-month mark look like? So it'd been tough. We we hear about that a lot. There's a ramp and it is going to be really tough, you know, the pre-season of um, um, your sales career as such. Mm-hmm. What was the turning point at which at which time you said, Oh, sorry, at which time perhaps you thought this we're gonna get there? You know, was we were you conscious of that throughout the six months, or was there a turning point when you really, really start to kick kick into gear? Um, I had a really open dialogue with my my director, with my manager about it. Um, my manager is easily the best boss I have ever had in my entire career. Um, I'm gonna give her a shout out on LinkedIn later. So she is absolutely incredible and I had a really open dialogue with her about it. I said, look, I'm really worried about my ramp. I'm really worried about where things are sat at the moment. And her and I worked together. But one day the penny just dropped and I'm a very, very stubborn person. I am a Taurus. I'm just dropping in my astrology sign there. Um, but I'm, yeah, probably the most stubborn person I have ever met. And I wasn't going to let it get away from me. I just thought to myself, no, I've worked too hard to let this get away from me. I can't fail at this. You've got to do it. You've got to get it done. Just do what it takes. And I did and it paid off. Fantastic. Is is that typically or mostly down to the individual in that environment or not HubSpot as software vendors like HubSpot? Is there a, um, 
a certain part of induction or onboarding where they look to, you know, see where people are at, at six months and when they are um, having a hard time of it, look to turn turn it with them or is it is it kind of solely down to you to to turn that corner? Obviously, you manage uh, it big part but in terms of the actual process of onboarding for instance is that something that's um explicit or is it over to you um I'm just a chatty person normally so like you know if I'm like naturally quite an anxious person as well so I will project things outwardly and I will get in front of them like that's just my nature but there's a pretty like a pretty stringent structure here about like performance how you're going what have you got in play like you know I know you asked about forecasting before but like yeah we have a pipeline meeting once a week to see where things are at and you can get your manager involved in certain deals all of that sort of stuff like it's like they work really really closely with you to make sure that you're successful and the training here was like like your first month is spent in training you've got no quota you're not in the sales funnel you're just purely doing training well which is good yeah yeah absolutely um now finally we like to understand the tenets so um you're obviously doing um great you talked about that turning that corner you sound like you're in you know a really great point in your in your career and happiness all going well what are the um tenets that underpin charlotte lamont's day today at the moment there any particular tools um, techniques, routines, habits, technology, perhaps even that you can't go without. <laughs> but um, not up a spot. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, I can't go without a great CRM, John. That's, that's right. There you go. There's the plug. But yeah. are there any are there any things for you personally that really help you to be at the top of your game um, that you can't be without? That I can't be without. I'm someone who is a very proud person. And that my pride keeps me going every day. I know it's one of those seven deadly sins. Is it a seven deadly sin? I think it is. I'm you go. Sure it is. Would it be? Oh, pride yeah. would be. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, but my pride in the company that I work for, the pride in my hard work, that's what gets me out of bed and keeps me going every day. And the pride in the accomplishments that I've achieved this far. It's probably it and I would say grit and resilience because you're always going to get told no and you can't let a no destroy you in sales I just lost a big deal this afternoon to a competitor and I just sat there with a smile on my face while they were telling me you can't you can't let it destroy you you can't let it get to you so resilience and grit are also a really big part of it too sage advice for um sales and certainly recruitment as well so um yeah. sounds like that's that's um come th- come through in um in, uh, in leaps and bounds for you. Um, last one for anybody looking to get in software sales, perhaps a recruiter, you know, want to learn more. Um, anybody looking to, you know, just get in software sales per se. Um, are you open to, you know, fielding questions from anybody that might want to learn about your journey and um, how do they go about getting in touch with you if that was the case? Um, you can just ping me on LinkedIn. It's Charlotte, spelt the normal way, Lamont, spelt the normal way, I guess. <laughs> And there are not many Charlotte Lamonts in the world. So you'll find me on LinkedIn pretty easily. I'm happy to yeah, receive messages, have a chat about it. I'll probably be doing some um, like actual posts about this as well. But yeah, happy to field any questions, answer them. But I can tell you now, it is the best decision I've ever done. I've ever done. It's the best decision I've ever made for myself. Um, and just stop thinking about it. Just do it. Just take the leap. 
because it's worth it sage advice charlotte thank you very much for being on the show it's been um great to learn more about um your journey and it's going to be um i think really insightful for a lot of people out there so um thanks very much no worries thanks for your time jj all right take care bye